world. It's your past first point guard and trailblazers reporter, Mike Richmond. You're listening to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts and also on YouTube. Thanks for making this show your first listen. Coming at you each and every weekday, Monday through Friday. So start your days with it. Make it part of your daily routine. Tell your friends to do the same. It's Locked On Blazers, your team every day. In today's show, we're talking keepers. As in, how many dudes already on the roster are going to be part of what's next? This iteration is the early stages of a rebuild. And when they get out of this early stage into whatever the next stage is, what I want to ask and work through today are how many how many players do you do we know at this stage early in the season? We're at the 35% mark, the classic 35% check-in, 29 games into the season. But uh, you all, everyone always does this, right? But at the 35% mark, at the 29-game mark, how many players who are on the roster currently are going to be part of what's next? Uh, this is kind of an a episode inspired by a conversation with listeners via email locked on blazers pod at gmail.com is a place to find me locked on blazers pod at gmail.com for those of you who want it repeated for you but you know um shout out to nathan and john and scott uh, who sent me emails and kind of got me down this path so i i think it's important before we get too far to talk about what this path is and that to do that i'm going to do the old hackiest way to write an essay and say webster's dictionary defines keepers as no please if you are essay writing age and you were listening to my voice please don't please don't do that please don't write that way please don't write that way i love i love the written word you can do better you can do better um but my definition of keeper is for this instance is is from the from the beginning stages of this rebuild to the next iteration when the blazers get good how many players on the roster are going to be around or need to be around when they're good. I mean, chances are not many. There's so much churn in the, in, in the in NBA, right? Like, chances are two dudes. The next time the Blazers are really good and win a playoff series, two players who are currently on the roster will be on the roster then because that's just kind of how it works. That's how it works. Like, there's so much turnover in the league. Very few teams are built like, here's our seven-man core and we'll move from there. You just can't do that. And because when you have some good players, you got to pay people and got to have timing. And then you got to, you know, then you, to get better players, you got to trade good players you have and all these things. You draft a new guy every year and that person takes somebody's job and you get it, right? So chances are that there's like very few keepers. But the, but this exercise is kind of, um, the idea is to identify who has, who who through this early stage looks like they could be part of what's next. And I, and I want this to mostly be um, salary agnostic. It, like I'm going to talk about how much money people make, but it, this isn't like a roster building exercise or like a super trade machine thing. This is just like the idea of who, of when you look at this team, who fits into what they're going to be. Uh, we'll talk about that. And then we'll like, we'll put the tiger on the table and yell at it in the third segment because some of the keepers have some serious overlap. Let's start though with, with, um, with the too early to tell group, uh, guys who are by definition can't be keepers, but it's way too early to bail. And there's two of them: Ryan Rupert and, and Chris Murray. Um, Rupert's just a G leaguer, right? Like he came to the league as a second rounder, as a teenager. You come in the, you know, your late draft pick as a teen, super raw, super young. You need seasoning, right? He's mostly played in the G League. Um, I hope at some point we get to see Ryan Rupert, Ryan Rupert play NBA games. Um, I know how the Blazers do after the All Star break. I have a, I have a feeling 
they we may get to see some repair because they're pretty brazen with the losing. Although this year maybe they don't have to be. Uh, we'll see. And maybe they can't get maybe they can't catch San Antonio and and, and Detroit. So won't they won't really be running towards the bottom. But yeah, you know if the Blazers need to fake injuries, I believe I believe in them uh, faking injuries to play Ryan repair some minutes. But I'd like to see him play like you know in eighteen minutes, five, six, seven, eight games, and like see what he is against NBA players before, um, you know before before making any real judgments you know it's like i can read his i can watch the g league highlights and read the box scores and all that stuff but it's it's i want to see him play against nba starters and see what he looks like and and kind of and get a better sense and chris murray it's just like you know he's been up and down from the g league as well and there's just there's not room for murray to play on this roster as soon as tumati kamara kind of like proved that he's an nba caliber wing it was like okay well there's not going to be room for chris to experiment he was behind you know he's immediately behind kamara he's immediately behind jabari walker and he's behind Jeremy Grants. He's behind Matisse Thibel, who's playing most of his minutes at the three um, with some time at the two and four mixed in there. Hopefully less at the four here in the future, as long as the Blazers stay healthy. But um, it is, regardless of it, like it's, we haven't seen Murray a ton and there's not room for him a ton. And I, I haven't really been enamored with his minutes. Um, that, that isn't to say that I don't think he can be an NBA player. It's just when I watch him, I don't, he doesn't, he doesn't sparkle for me. I don't, I don't see the spark necessarily. He'd, my, my heart doesn't flutter. Like he might be good. Um, he's like a big wing and he has an okay looking jump shot that maybe doesn't go in super frequently. He competes hard on defense, but um, I was, I, I, yeah, I'm just like, I'll keep it real. I haven't been super enamored with his minutes. Um, but these are, these are like, by definition, we're at the 29 game mark. Rupert and Murray are not keepers because they haven't played enough to be part, to be say, okay, these guys are keepers for sure. These are in the, but it's too early to bail. So they're just in a category by themselves where it's like, mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't know if they're part of what's next, but certainly they haven't proved that to this point. The other, the other group I want to touch on here in the first segment is the useful role players. These dudes are keepers unless, and there's three of them, Tamari Kamara, Matisse Thibel, Jabari Walker. Useful role players. Every team in the league needs role players. Something like 80% of the league is, is filled with role players, maybe more now that the league is so like increasingly specialized on offense. And Kamara and Tease and, and, and Bari, they, they do what they do. Like Tamari Kamara is a, is a, is a good defender already in year one in the NBA. That doesn't do much on offense, but he's already a positive defender of right now. Matisse Thibel is is just a solid three and D wing that would help any team. Um, he's he's morphed himself into a pretty a pretty solid shooter, and he's one of the great defensive playmakers in the league. Like he can play, he can play on any team. Um, would he play big minutes on every team? No, but he would play on every team. And Jabari Walker is. Um, you know he's he he had a, he's coming off a really nice offensive game, but he's he's still kind of finding his way on the offensive end with the, with the jump shooting and kind of how how he's going to score. But he plays hard, multi positional defender, good rebounder. Um, I, I I'm not sure that Kamara or Jabari Walker or Matisse Thibel for that matter grow into anything more than role players. But on a good team, these dudes could contribute. Particularly if you kind of think about this in keepers as in a little bit further down the line, say like. Three years later, Tamani Kamara, when he's 26, um, 26, 27, when, when Matisse Thibault is 27 in three years, when, when, when Walker is, is 25 in three years or 20, 24, he's pretty young in three years. 
it's like, and they've grown their games and sharpened those skills and gotten better. Like these are, these are soft keepers. And why I say soft is because if you have a chance to get better players to trade for all-stars, trade for frontline starters, trade for guys who are bona fide NBA starters, and the price is Tamani Kamara and the price is Jabari Walker and the price is Matisse Thibel, and you're at that cycle in team building when it's time to go, to, you know, push your chips in, you do it immediately. You don't, you do not worry about it. You do not worry about it. You do not hold up, um, you do not hold up chasing starter level forwards for bench level forwards, right? You don't even, you know, obviously this is like an amorphous trade. So I don't know. I don't have like, I'm not thinking of anything specific here, but like you wouldn't blink if that's what it took. But if you don't, them on, they're on their own, they're not necessarily going to fetch you really good players and you don't, you don't need to go out and trade them and, and, and try to upgrade because they'll, they're the type of role players that would be useful on good teams, useful on good teams. So that these are soft keepers, put them in the keeper category. But if you need to make a big move, this is the first box you crack open uh, when you need to make that big move. Okay. Second segment, let's talk vets and let's talk some other depth pieces that are that are not keepers that are not keepers. Then we'll close the show talking about the keepers on the roster. And if you're smart, you know the three names we're going to talk about and the conundrum it brings. So before we get to who's not staying, let's talk about building a championship team courtesy of our good friend Josh Lloyd and eBay Motors. Each and every week right here on this program, Josh Lloyd and eBay Motors are going to pick you out the eBay Guaranteed Fit Fantasy Picks of the Week. So... If you're doing daily fantasy or playing, you know, a season long team, they're going to find players that are guaranteed to fit your roster. Earlier this week, it talked about Josh Lloyd's recommendation for Dante Exum and the man who hosts Locked on Fantasy Basketball, the best fantasy basketball podcast on the Internet. Well, my man, Josh Lloyd's got another one for you. Isaiah Hardenstein, Mitch Robinson. Knicks centers out for the season or probably out for the season. The Knicks haven't announced it yet, but they've reportedly tried to get a disabled player exception and that you can only get one of those. If the, if the player on your, on your team is expected not to return to action until June, until the championship, which means the Knicks are not hopeful that Mitch Robinson returns, which means there's a, there's a hole at the starting center spot and in steps, Isaiah Hardenstein, excuse me, Hardenstein. Um, Hardenstein is first of all, Oregon native, um, born in, born in beautiful Eugene, Oregon, but also just like a solid going to get, he's going to play big minutes, you know, 30 plus to 38 every night because he plays for, he, he plays for the Knicks. Um, and Tom Thibodeau, he's not a great finisher, so he might not fill it up for you on offense. And if efficiency is a problem, he's, he missed shots around the rim, but he rebounds. He, he blocks some shots. He's a, he's an underrated passer and a good playmaker. He's going to fill up multiple categories and he's going to have a ton of minutes as a, as a, as a clear cut starter. So go ahead and add Isaiah Hartenstein if he's available. Josh Lloyd thinks it's a good idea. And, uh, I've listened to Josh's advice and already had added Hartenstein to my team. Uh, Josh, he knows Josh Lloyd knows that, that if you listen to him and you listen to Locked On Fantasy Basketball, you can have a better shot at winning your championship. And eBay Motors knows that a championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. 
It's the same with your vehicle. And with over 122 parts, 122 million parts to choose from for your ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Whether you need brake kits, LED headlights, roof rack, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, baby, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. That eBay guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right. We're talking keepers. First segment, we talked about some young guys that are not, you know, not quite in the category because we haven't, we don't know what to make of them. And soft keepers, role players that are, could be useful if you if they hang around, great because they could they can help. But uh, but if you could upgrade, upgrade and go for it. This next category is temporary depth pieces. None of these guys are keepers. We don't have to spend a ton of time on them. Moses Brown's not a keeper. I'm not sure he's an NBA player. Uh, Ish Wainwright's not a keeper. Um, incredible personality. Have really uh, the, I've talked to him maybe three times in the locker room. I like Ish Wainwright. I, I wish he played more because he's he's a great personality. He he um, he brings energy on the bench. Um, he's he told me he owns 150 Arizona Diamondbacks hats. Um, that's just a fun fact to know about Ish Wainwright, but he's not a keeper. He's not a keeper. Um, he's, he also told me he was a pretty good swimmer as a, as a youth. There's two Ish Wainwright facts. But, um, like, not a keeper. And, and Skylar Mays. Two-way guy, converted to an NBA spot, um, really holds it down when he plays. Holds it down when he plays. He, he doesn't make mistakes. He gets. He's just like a, a pro backup point guard, third string point guard. Takes care of the ball. Gets gets ball. You know, gets the ball to people in the spots. But he's not a keeper. None of those guys are keepers. I I, I don't think there's anything controversial about that whatsoever. You move on from them. You need depth pieces just to fill out a roster. These guys you move on from, you'll have an, another shot at more depth pieces in the future. And when and when the Blazers are, are build a team that is a winner here in a few years, you'll look back fondly and be like, remember when Mike said that thing about Ish Wainwright and all the Arizona Diamondbacks hats? Um, the other guy in here that's that is like this depth piece, and I really don't know what to do with him necessarily. Is Duop Reef? Um, he's fun. I like him. Um, I do not think he's good enough defender or rebounder to be a starting center in the league. Certainly not next to uh, to Jeremy Grants, but uh, he's, and, and, you know, in the future, Jeremy Grant may, may not be on the roster. Stay tuned for about one minute from now. Uh, but, like, Reith is a good, solid backup center who I like. I just like his game. So, like, um, I... I um, I enjoy the the stylings of his game, and I think it, I think the idea of him as a shooter and a handoff hub and someone who sets physical screens and plays hard is really useful. Um, he's really useful. Like he's been he's been I've said it before on the podcast. The the advanced impact stats say that he is the most positively impactful player on the roster. That doesn't mean the best player on the roster by any means, but in terms of like po- positive t- statistical impact, the Blazers are better when he plays. But he is not so good such that he has to be in the keeper category where it's like, listen, if this team's going to be good, Duop's going to be a part of it. I don't think so. I think he could. you could just move on from him and replace him with a variety of differently skilled backup centers and be fine. Um, would I miss him? Yeah. Well, I would miss the headband and his willingness to jack up three-pointers pretty much every time he touches the ball. But like, I don't think he is so good that he could be a keeper. 
What he is is just a solid player who's going to be useful on this team all dang season long, and we'll see what happens. That said, if you were to keep Dwapareth, if you were to say, like, you know, he's a 27-year-old rookie, right? Say you keep him for, say you sign him, the Blazers are going to have to convert him. He's the only two-way guy I'm going to talk about. Justin Minaya, not a keeper. Ibubaji, not a keeper. I'm not sure either of those dudes are NBA players or ever will be. But, like, um, Duop Reef is, like, they're going to sign him to a to a contract. Uh, my assumption would be, you know, he plays. He's, like, the best center on the roster right now. Uh, small sample size, but he is. Um, like, I assume they cut Moses Brown or Ish Wainwright in January when the when it's when you get up against guaranteed contract time and they convert Duop Reith to a to a uh, uh, to an NBA deal and he gets a full length contract. If they were to sign him, and I think they probably will try to to one of those like guaranteed this year, non guaranteed for multiple years in the future. Say they sign him to a one plus one plus one, so fully guaranteed for the rest of this season, non guaranteed for two seasons beyond it. That's great. That's fine. And if he could be helpful for the next three seasons, great. Like. Sure, sure. That good for Duop to, to earn the job. Good for the Blazers to kind of have that flexibility. But I don't know. It's not. It's not. It's if he walks at the end of this season, they'll move on into into the future with with a different look. Okay, an extended thought on Duop Reith because he's been good. The next category. So all those guys are not keepers. All those guys can go. And continuing in that and that thread, you good vets who are not keepers. DeAndre is not a keeper. He's not part of what's going to be the next good team. I thought DeAndre was going to spread his freaking wings here. I really did. I kind of I was kind of out on DeAndre Ayton and I talked myself into him in training camp. I said, you know what? He's gonna be. He's gonna. He's he's really he's saying the right things. He's got good energy. He's gonna he's gonna you know, he's going to be out of Phoenix and he's going to just have an, this opportunity. He's going to seize it and he's going to be the player that he's capable of being because he's really talented and he just hasn't been. Um, I've been disappointed with, I, I thought he was more ambidextrous than he was. I would say just like a skill thing. I thought he was, he used to, I swear in Phoenix, he used to take like quick, decisive mid-range jumpers on pick and rolls when he catches it. I feel like he stopped doing that a little bit. He's, he's just been a little more slow and deliberate. Blazer's spacing has made it hard for him to be a post-up threat. And then like the physicality and the effort stuff has waned, has just, has, has, has he, there are nights when he doesn't bring it and it's frustrating. He's just not a keeper. Is he possible to get rid of? I have no idea. I don't think so. <laughs> I think he's a blazer until his contract runs out. Um, but, it, but if you're talking about like player that you would want to keep because he's going to be part of what's next, DeAndre is not on that list for me. Neither is Malcolm Brogdon. The Blazers got good young guards. Um, is Malcolm Brogdon better than Shane Sharp and and, uh, and Scoot Henderson? He is. He's better than those two gentlemen. Right now, uh, the whole point of the Blazers roster is to hope that they're better than him very soon. Um, and and Brogdon is has is you know a good vet and a, and, I, and from what I what I have gleaned, at least someone who's interested in being a uh, helpful sort of helpful sounding board for the young guards, kind of telling them what to do and pumping them up. He seems to have a good relationship with Shane Sharp, from my observations. Um, you know, he's not, it's not like I'm not shipping him out of town, but I do think it's important that the, that Malcolm Brogdon is not on the team after the trade deadline, because I think they got to clear up kind of a little bit of the crowd in the backcourt and, and, and commit to what's next and commit to playing the young guys together and finding out what's next. Brogdon is a good basketball player who will help another basketball team. Um, but he's not a keeper for what's next with the Blazers. And the last guy who's not a keeper is Jeremy Grant. If the Bla- the Blazers need Jeremy Grant right now, they need him because they don't have they would miss so much offense without him. Um, you know, he takes some bad ISO shots and he doesn't pass and a lot of things, but also like sometimes you just need players who can go score on their own to soak up possessions because it's like 
you know, you don't always get into the shot you want. So being able to throw it to someone and saying, Hey, can you help us? Can you bail us out? And Jeremy Grant goes, Oh, I'll try is helpful because like if you threw that ball into Tamani Kamara with seven seconds on the shot clock, cause he's playing power forward now. Cause Jeremy Grant's gone. He doesn't have that in the bag. Jabari Walker doesn't have that. Matisse Thibel doesn't have that. Chris Murray doesn't have that. And at some point, that's totally fine. But in like right now, uh, they need him. They need they need what he brings. But if you're talking about what's next, um, you know, if you're thinking about uh, there's three names I haven't mentioned yet. It's, and I'm going to spoil this for you because maybe you maybe you don't know the whole Blazers roster. But I haven't mentioned Scoot Henderson, Anthony Simons, uh, and Shaden Sharp in my keepers category. We're going to talk about them in the last segment. If you're building a team with any combination of those two guards, I think you need more length and more defensive chops at power forward than what uh, Jeremy Grant brings. Um, could he, is Jeremy Grant could he be helpful on a good team? Absolutely. If the Blazers were good and Jeremy Grant was like their third or fourth best player, would that be useful? Absolutely. Absolutely, but he's not a he's not a one A. He's not a one B. He's not a two A. He's not a two B. He's he's a he's a third option and beyond. And when he's tasked with more than that, the sort of the lack of playmaking, the lack of dribbling, and he's just not really a highly impactful defender. He's a totally capable one, but he's not a highly impactful defender by any means. He's just like he's fine. And if you give him, um, if you played him around more more and better defenders, he'd probably be better because everyone's better with better coworkers. But like. I think I've seen enough of him in his two, what, his his one and 35% of one seasons with the Blazers to just, I, I, I do not think he's an impactful defender like in a, in a majorly positive way. I think he's an offense-focused, rebounding, challenged power forward, which in a specific role could be really useful, but in terms of keepers for the Blazers, I don't think so. The last guy on this list, and we'll do it quickly, is Rob Williams. I don't think he can be a keeper because I don't think you can count on his health. The healthy version of Rob Williams is close to perfect for what the Blazers need. Um, The reality is that Rob has had a lot of trouble staying healthy, and that's at this point in the season with as little as he's played, you cannot possibly put him in the keeper category. But you can put the idea of Rob Williams very squarely in that keeper category. Very squarely, but the actual Rob Williams, you can't put him there. So that's... Seven guys, seven players plus two upreath make it eight who are not keepers for me. There's three keepers, guaranteed keepers on this roster. The problem is they have too much overlap. Let's talk about the three guard thing, the big thing for the Blazers to close the show. But first, I want to tell you about prize picks. It's Daily Fantasy Made Easy. It's the most fun way to play Daily Fantasy Sports. I do it on the app. Um, you can make your entries in about 60 seconds. Honestly, prize picks wants to tell wants me to tell you is 60 seconds. It takes me longer than that. I, I make more, I, I make, I'm, I'm slow with my decisions. I'm careful about my choices and what the choices I'm making are just more or less than the projections set by price picks. Takes me about 90 seconds, 60 seconds, very fast, 90 seconds, two minutes. That's about how long it takes an entry. So I played the NBA. It's things like points, rebounds, assists, price picks sets the stat lines. I say more or less than the stats. They are sent, are, they are picking and it's just me versus those numbers. No field, no sharks, nothing like that. It's just you versus the line set by prize picks. So if you want to get involved, go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NBA and use the promo code locked on NBA to get a first deposit match up to $100. They want to give you some free money to play with. So if you're a first time user, visit prizepicks.com slash locked on NBA and they'll match you dollar for dollar on your first deposit up to 100 bucks when you use that promo code locked on NBA. That's prizepicks daily fantasy made easy. 
still a pass first point guard. I'm still Mike Richmond. You are still listening to Lockdown Blazers. We're talking keepers. And there's three names that I haven't gone in depth on. Scoot's a keeper. Scoot Henderson is a keeper. He's 20 years or 19 years old. Um, he's had a rough, rocky start and looked like a teenager in the NBA. But slowly but surely, over the last eight or ten games, he's looked like someone who is figuring it out and how to use his athleticism, how to play not just at 100 miles an hour, but at 5 miles an hour and then 25 miles an hour and then 85 miles an hour and then 5 miles an hour again and then 100. Like the change of pace and the pacing and particularly as a half-court player has gotten a lot better. The decision-making has gotten a lot better. Uh, the jump shot starting to go in with with some regularity. The turnovers down a little bit very recently. Um, he He's starting starting to get there. And and if, and if you're... If you're, you know, when you're talking about young players, that's what you want. You want you want them to you want them to improve. And Scoot's a keeper because he's 19 and he's improved a little bit. And as he plays more games, you can bet on him continuing to improve. He was drafted as a third overall pick. He's a keeper because he's he's talented enough, and you're invested in him enough that he can be what's next. There's a chance that he shows over the next couple seasons that he doesn't belong in this list. But right now, 35% of the 29 games into his first NBA season, a keeper without a doubt. Throw Shaden Sharp in that mix too. He's a keeper without a doubt. Without a doubt. Has the skills to be a very, 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 very good NBA player. Hasn't found it consistently yet in the league. And there's some times where it's unclear whether he is fully sort of not it's not an engaged problem it's it's whether he's he's fully bought into the fact that he's really good because sometimes he gets the ball and defers sometimes he watches it's just like he needs to he needs to just turn up the dial that that's his challenge turn that dial up and once he turns that dial up with consistency and his skills and his and the sort of his RPMs meet, um, he could be really talented. He can score at all three levels. Um, I think his defense has been pretty bad this year, but he has the tools to be a very good defensive player, and he's 20 years old. Like, I think he can get there. He's a keeper. And Amphrey Simons is a keeper. He's averaging 27 a game on 59% true shooting. Like, he's having a great offensive season, and he's been a better playmaker than he's been in the past. He's a really good offensive player. Really, really good. Defense still a work in progress, but he might never get there. And so what he is, is a really good offensive player. And if you're a really good offensive player, averaging 27 on 59% true shooting, it's like, all right, bump that up to like 30 on and keep the, um, and keep 59% true shooting and we'll build the thing around you. Cause you're that good. Here's the problem. Shaden Sharp is pretty clearly a two right now. He might be a three at some point in the future, but he's pretty clearly a two. Scoot is a, Scoot is a point guard. And Amphrey Simons is a one or a two. He's either a point guard or a shooting guard. Let's, let's really talk Ant for a second here. And I've talked about him briefly, but I want to talk about him again. On offense, he can play either position. He can be an off-ball guy and play and and be someone who comes off screens and spaces and is on the second side and hits step backs and attacks bent defenses and and, and hits you know and hits catch and shoot jumpers and kills teams because of his catch and shoot ability because of his ability to you know score late clock his ability to take up oh, little step backs he can be an on-ball guy because he can accept double teams he can just say if you don't double team me there's no way this dude can stop me from getting a jumper off he's been way better at getting to the rim this year he's 
been way better at saying, I'm good. Get If I get to my right hand, I know I can score. And he finds ways to get to his right hand. He can score a little bit with his offhand as well. Um, he's, he's, he's really improved as, as a three-level scorer and as a decision maker. He can play point guard on offense. He can play shooting guard on, on offense. It's the other side that's the problem with it. And in conjunction with these other guys, if Ant is a negative on defense, I do not think he can play shooting guard full-time in the league because the future of good teams is size at those positions. It's, it's a, it's, and, and, and rangy defenders on the wing. You can kind of get away with, oh, our center's really big, but he's not an elite versatile defender. And our point guard is not much of a defender, but in that two, three, four spots, we guard. We guard and we rebound. That's what the good teams do. Um, you know, some not every team has a big power for the rebounds, but the teams that win, they typically have guys who can sit down in a defensive stance and guard. I'm thinking, you know, Aaron Gordon last year, not this elite rebounder, but he 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 can defend multiple positions and he's big and physical. If if Ant's is always going to be a negative defender, and so far he has been in his career. It is hard to put him at, it is hard to play another smaller guard next to him. So can he play next to Shane Sharp? That's a really good question. Let's see what that looks like. Huge part of the rest of the season is to figure out what, do those dudes, can those two guys thrive together? Is that a one-two of the future? And then, you know, for the, for the time being, Scoot is the third guard who mixes in with those two. At the beginning of the year, the Blazers and this podcaster both thought it would be Scoot and Ant um, to start the season. But as good as a defender as, as Scoot Henderson might be, he's always going to be six foot two. And that means if you have one small guy on the court, a small player on the court, and then you have a negative defender who's not super big in himself, super big as is, and not super strong as Anthony Simons is. He's like physical on offense, but he gets he can get bullied a little bit on defense. Certainly stronger than he's ever been right now, and and um, um, maybe the physicality will will continue to improve. But he's he can get bullied a little bit on defense as a defender. Um, if you know if you're starting Scoot who's six two, and you're starting Ant who's a negative defender, you're probably not going to build a very good defense. We have seven years of Damon CJ data to suggest it. Uh, I, I know people are pretty complimentary generally of Joe Cronin, but building another roster of two small guards after a roster of two small guards for a decade would be maybe a crime. Would be potentially jailable. I'd have to. I'm not super super versed in Oregon law, but I, I I think he could go to jail for that. I think he could take him to not like prison, but jail for sure. Um, so it just wouldn't. It just it just wouldn't make sense. But these guys are keepers because these are good players who could help in the future. Scoot's a keeper. Ant's a keeper. Shea's a keeper. The real truth is that probably you only keep two of them into the future. I don't know which two yet because I don't know how good Scoot can be. I don't know how good Shaden can be. And Amphrey Simons is clearly the best of the three by a, a pretty wide margin, right? Like by a full standard deviation, he's better than those two gentlemen in terms of just like playing in the NBA right now. He's way better. But what is the what is the ceiling of the other two guys and just keeping it limit that ceiling and, and there's there's questions to be asked. That's what the the problem is with this with the with that's what the answers they have to find out for the remaining 65% of this season. That's what they have to find out. Who fits and who's part of it and I want to be clear. There is no rush to break up this guard trio. 
The Blazers aren't trying to be good this year, so it doesn't matter. You just want to them. You want them to play. You want the combinations to play. You want to see as much of it as you possibly can and make decisions after that. And if you lose, you lose. There's no rush to trade Anthony Simons this offseason. You can go into next season with his guard trio, and it's fine because you're not going to take a big leap next season. Um, you know, you're 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 still going to get there. But there is going to come a time in the next in the next 365 days, or more likely about the next 400 days, for being realistic, like into the into the summer of 2025, when the Blazers will have to make a decision. They will have to make a decision about what's next. There is no rush to get there, but they will have to at some point say, you look at this roster and there we got three keepers, three players who are good enough and have enough potential to be on the roster when we're good again got some useful role players that might be here and we got some vets that we can move on from and some depth pieces that certainly we're going to move on from but we got three keepers three players who will be who are young and could be helpful and will improve and project to be like in you know three plus seasons you know Henry Simons would be in his physical prime and 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 scooting and and Sharp be coming off of the rookie contracts and like ready to be real bona fide NBA players the way that um, NBA starters the way that that Ant is now at some point over the next season and a half see maybe even you know uh, the remainder of this season and all of next they'll have to make a choice make a choice on who stays and who goes they do not have to do it now. There is no rush. They do not have to do it this summer. There is no rush. Anyone telling you that they must make a choice doesn't understand the point of this season to me. Because the point of this season is to figure it out and to be accept the patience and the bumps that come with figuring it out. Three guards can play. The problem is four. The problem is they have four who can play right now. Once you get down to three, the minutes are easier, the combos are easier, and you can make choices to, um, you know, get the right lineups and the right combos on the court. But you got to, everybody's got to get healthy. Shane Sharp's not going to play on Thursday evening. As you're listening to this, it's Thursday, December 28th program. The Blazers play the Spurs tonight. No no DeAndre Ayton, no uh, Shane Sharp tonight. Uh, so another night without collecting the full sort of picture of the data. And obviously when Malcolm Brogdon's still here, it complicates the whole roster and the rotation. And maybe they'll keep Brogdon past the trade deadline just to drive me insane. But um, I think this is the crux of this team is that when you really look at it, they've got three clear keepers, but you can only choose if you're building a really good team, you could probably only choose to keep and pay, and utilize two of them. Who are those two? That's what they got to identify. Who are those two? Which of them are are the two that are going to be part of what's next? Because you hoped that it would be clearer, but Amphrey Simon is just better than the other two guys right now, by a lot. And you don't punt on that level of talent if you're the Portland Trailblazers, because maybe you don't get that level of talent back. You gotta wait. You'd have to wait for many more moons. Took Amphrey Simons about five plus years to be really good in the league. Do they have the? Do they have the patience level to do that again if they punt from him right now? Doubt it. Doubt it. But what if Scoot and Shea are ready before that? And what if they're really good before that? It's the fun part of watching this team grow. It's figuring out which of the keepers end up being guys that you have to say goodbye to. That's going to do it for uh, today's show. Like I said, uh, no scoot, no DA against against the Spurs, uh, but 
Victor Wembanyama not in the injury report, so we'll get to see we'll get to see Scoot Henderson and Victor and Victor Wembanyama play against one another at the Moda Center tomorrow night. Check your feeds the next day for a recap of that show. Then the Blazers play and Blazers and Spurs play again the following night. So over the weekend, you get another show about that one. Uh, that's what we do five days a week wherever you get podcasts and also on YouTube. I appreciate you listening. I'll talk to you soon.